0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Creighton. Thank you for tuning in to New Song Church's sermon podcast. At New Song Church we want to see Jesus lifted high in Port Perry, Ontario as we worship, grow, and serve. You can learn more about us and find contact info at newsongportperry.ca Holy Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. Glory to you Lord Christ. And at the end of the 8th A pair of turtle doves and two young, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout. It was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Praise you, Lord Christ. Uh, Heavenly Father, we now come before you to hear your word, to hear you um, speak directly to our hearts and our minds. Uh, Father, I just pray that any distractions from this week would fall away, that you would draw us closer to yourself. um, In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Please be seated. So it may, not, it may not look like it, but I used to climb cliff faces up mountains in B.C. Um, when I was younger. And I have, a, I have a pretty good story, actually, when it comes to climbing mountains, like sheer cliff faces. Um, I must have been early 20s, and I was in my 20th straight hour of climbing up a side of a mountain. And something very um, scary and interesting happened uh, during this time. It was right at the end, the last rope length before you summit the mountain. And what happened was that me and my partner were so tired. Um, And as you go up, you, um, you climb rope lengths as you go. And then as you go, you pass the gear to your partner so you take turns going up by rope length so you can rest. And the gear is what protects you. Um, if you fall, it'll catch your rope as you fall, you so you won't fall the full 70 metres of your rope length past your belayer. And What happened at this is that my partner forgot to give me the gear for the last 70 metres of the climb. We were about 300 metres up, um, and I went, did some moves, climbing moves, that it would have been impossible to down climb back to him. So I had to do the, the last 65 meters with absolutely no protection. I only had a rope that would have caught, hopefully caught me, if I f- ended up falling um, the whole 70 meters if I fell. I did not. I'm still here standing. Um, but the other thing about this is that it was at night. It must have been at 3 in the morning. And I, was, I only had a headlamp, a head flashlight with me. So I was in this old, my own little light bubble as I did this. I was, in a very dire situation. If one mistake happened, I would have, I don't know what would have happened. Now, switching to the Bible, um, for the past four weeks, we've been looking at the birth of Jesus narrative. And then now, last week was the climax of that, and Jesus has been born. But we're not done looking at it yet because there's more, Luke has more to say. So if you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38, we're going to look at it. And we're going to look at it in three points. The first point is ordinary for extraordinary purposes, Jesus confirmed as Savior, and the disciples' heart. So point one, ordinary for extraordinary purposes, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, if you remember, Gabriel came to Mary and to Joseph and said that you are to name your child Jesus, Emmanuel. So this is them following the angel's command. And you might be thinking, why are we talking about circumcision? Why is that in the Bible right now? Isn't that an Old Testament thing? Well, circumcision was a very important thing in Israel. It was a sign of one of the covenants that God made to Abraham to be a symbol that you will be of my people. Anyone who was circumcised became an Israelite of God's people. And then Jesus, the name is very significant. Yes, there was other people named Jesus in Israel in that time. But what it means, it means God saves. So what happens here is that God is using very ordinary means of circumcision, everyday things for them, and an everyday name to make something extraordinary, significant. So look at what happens next in verse 22 to 24. And when the time came for their purification, that is Mary and Jesus, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, what, what's going on here? I know this is, this is not um, the most interesting things to talk about, but the law is very important to understand the New Testament. Here is a, a law where after so, a woman gives birth, after they've circumcised the kid on the eighth day, they have to wait another 33 days before they can come into the temple and be purified. And they had to do this in a way where either they were to sacrifice a lamb or if they were poor people they would sacrifice turtle doves and young pigeons. So this is showing us that Jesus came from a very poor family. God used used a very poor family. Didn't use a very mighty family. Didn't use kings for his purposes. He uses people who are very ordinary. Very ordinary people for extraordinary things. And you might be thinking, why is this important to look at? Why look at circumcision? Why look at them fulfilling these purification laws? Well, circumcision identifies Jesus as a person of Israel. If this didn't happen, if Jesus didn't come under the law, he would, he, his ministry would have been useless because no one would have listened to him or given him any authority. He would have had no street credit at all. Because people would have looked at him and said, you're not Israelite. How can you be a Messiah? You're nothing. So this is very important that we see that Jesus is coming under the law. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, puts himself under the law to save humanity from the law, that they could not save themselves. He was the only one who could truly follow God's plan. And the reason why there is a law, you might be thinking, why, why would God even make a law in the first place if his people could never even follow it? What the law was is that it was a thing when um, Israelites were coming out of Egypt, coming into the promised land of Canaan, this law was to set them apart so that they wouldn't fall into the ways of the Babylonians or the Canaanites, where they would sacrifice babies and do all these other horrible things. God wanted to bring his people out from that. He didn't want them to be tempted with that. So he gave them a way to live. He wants people to realize they need God, but they didn't realize that. See, God uses ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. He brings Jesus in in a very ordinary way to fulfill his plan, his purposes. Point two, Jesus conf- confirmed as savior. So before we read the verses, so we have Jesus and his parents coming up to Jerusalem, to the temple. And then this, this guy, Simeon, this is the only time he's mentioned, comes up, and he would, they would have met at the outer courts of the temple because no women were allowed in the inner courts of the temple. So this is on the steps of the temple that's happening. So verse 25 to 33. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and, and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples and a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Now what does the consolation of Israel mean? In Isaiah 40 verse 1, Isaiah is prophesying. It's God speaking through him. And it speaks of one that will be a comfort to Israel. It would be a comfort to God's people. Simeon was told that he would see the one who was going to bring the comfort in, in person. His words talk about that he, he picks Jesus up. And he, this man was so privileged that he, had, he was able to hold Jesus in his arms. And he knew that this is the promise that was promised so long ago. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon right here confirms that Jesus is the savior of all peoples, the Gentile and the Jew, not just the Jewish people. It says it is a, he is a light to the Gentiles and glory to the Jewish people. But then he turns to Mary and says, in verse 34 and 35, that, you are, that he will face persecution, he will face death, and that Mary's heart will be broken. What he's doing here is he's prophesying about the future of Jesus' ministry and the future of his death, and then what Mary is going to witness when she stands at his cross and sees him being crucified. And it also says here, which is something that we should really hold to our hearts, it says, some will not believe, and then it says, some will believe. If we look in verse 34 and 35, it says it, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother... Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and for the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that, it, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also so that, so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. Here we see him talking about what I just said, that Jesus' this ministry is going to face opposition and ultimately it's going to face death. He's going to die and that Mary's heart, her soul, her inner soul would be pierced, like any mom who saw their child brutally killed would feel, rightfully so. That is what he's talking about. This is a prophecy that we see fulfilled later on in Luke, in Mark, in Matthew, and in John. But here we see Jesus confirmed by a second prophet also, the prophet Anna, a prophetess. So look at verse 36 and 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. The tribe of Asher, which is very interesting, is when Israel was exiled into Babylonian, or Babylon. Um, This tribe never came back. It's one of the tribes that disappeared during this exile time. But here it's saying that she is a remnant of it. She's a representative of it. It's just an interesting fun fact, a little geek moment there. Um, And then it's continuing on. Of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here we see that Jesus is called the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, he is confirmed as the Savior, the one who's going to bring the peace, the comfort to Israel and to all people, all nations. It's interesting, if you go back and if you count it, Jesus, this is only chapter 2 that we're in, that we're looking at. Jesus has been confirmed as Savior and Messiah at least a dozen times, probably more. It's pretty obvious what this book is about, is that Jesus, the one who's sent by God, God's only Son, came into the world to live the, a life under the law, a perfect life under the law, and to die as the sacrifice, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and who rises from the dead. That is what the gospel is about. That is the gospel, if you say it in the simplest form. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's what Luke's doing here. He's showing all these prophecies said about him, fulfilled in him, talked about his life and his future life. That is what's going on here in Luke. So you might be thinking, well, what does this have to do do with me? Well, if you look again at verse 32. a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. See, the Christian belief is that because of the fall of humanity, everyone has a veil over their eyes. Everyone's heart has been veiled towards God. Everyone's lives have been darkened and is in need of help. No one can live the life that God has required. So God had to send his son in, as we just talked about. The best way for me to describe this, I don't have some theological term or great explanation, but the way I can talk about this is that I can talk about when I came to faith. Before I walked into a church when I was 18, I had a completely different way of thinking. I was a very angry person. I, was, I just did not care about anything. I didn't care whether I lived or died. I just was completely, my mind was completely 180. But then when I walked into that church, my in a moment, in like the blink of an eye, my entire life and mindset switched. The only way I can explain that is that the spirit came into me, that Jesus revealed himself to me, that the veil was taken off. And I came out of that building as a different person. You could say that this experience was just something similar to a political rally, where everyone gets into this mob mentality that People don't even know what they're doing, that it's just the mob pushing them forward, manipulating them to come forward. But normally those thoughts, if you take yourself out of that, go away, and you revert to your old way of thinking. See, I left the church for six years, and my mind never went back to the way I used to think before I walked into that building. You think it would, but it didn't. I've always been a different person since that moment. That moment, everything changed. Now, this, is some, this isn't something special to me either. Millions of people have experienced this all through the ages since Jesus rose from the dead. History was changed in that moment from a group of just 12 apostles going out into the world, spreading the gospel, the message of Jesus, That isn't something that's just changed by mob mentality or hallucinations. Something happened. Jesus rose from the dead as prophesied. This isn't a practice or a mantra. Jesus is the light of the world, as Simeon says right here in the Bible. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. And just going back to the illustration I used at the beginning of me climbing at the side of a mountain... If that headlamp, the flashlight on my head, went out, I would have been in such a hopeless situation. I wouldn't have not been able to see anything, and I most likely would have fallen. I don't know what would have happened when I fell, but I would have fallen. But that's the thing if you don't have Jesus in your life either. There's no light guiding you. Your your life may appear to be great. You may be financially successful, great like family, but if you don't have Jesus in your life, You're in a dire situation. There's no light in your life. So point three, the disciple's heart. Now with it being New Year's, I can't help but talk about goals. I love goals. Um, I have a lot of goals in my life, whether it's fitness goals. I want to run a 10K this year. We'll see what happens. Um, But goals are very important, or you can call them intentions. It could be just an intention if, if goals seem too serious for you. And if we look at this text, this text gives us great goals or intentions to look at. Now, if you haven't set any spiritual goals, goals where that, you might, that might bring you closer to God, I would strongly encourage it to think about that, to think that this year could just maybe take little steps. It doesn't have to be these huge, cold turkey, big, audacious goals, just very simple goals. If we look at Jesus' parents, we see at the beginning that they were obedient to God's law and to what the angel commanded them. Maybe there's something in your life you need to stop doing. Maybe you need to give it to the Lord. Maybe you need to be accountable to someone. Or if you look at Simeon, how he anticipate, anticipated the Lord's promise to him. Do you ever think about heaven? I just finished a book uh, by Richard Baxter called The Saints' Everlasting Rest. And that book is just all focused. It's him after he nearly had, he had a near-death experience, just reflecting on how much he thought about heaven during that time, and how it completely changed the way he v- uh, viewed life. I would strongly recommend it. Just re- meditate on heaven, where the Christian hope, the promise, is ultimately leading us when Jesus returns. We get to anticipate the Lord's return when we think about heaven. And if you look at Anna, how she's worshipful and prayerful, Sometimes this is the hardest one to commit to coming to church every Sunday or to commit to gathering um, and being involved in groups during the week or just to pray more there 's a lot of good resources for that. Um, I can recommend a bunch Crate and can i 'm sure there's many people in the congregation that can re- recommend it too but I stand up I stand up here as someone who needs help in all these areas i 'm not perfect so i 'm not trying to lay burdens on yourself. These are just good goals to have as we continue in this Christian pilgrimage through life, that we come together and we say these things together and we encourage each other. And if you're watching here online or you're here in person and you would not call yourself a follower of Jesus, I would challenge you to make it a goal to give an honest search of the claims of Christianity, that Jesus rose from the dead. And if that truly happened, if that happened, as we all believe, um, those who follow Jesus, that changes everything. No matter your belief on creationism, your belief on anything in the Old Testament, if Jesus rose from the dead, that changes everything. And that is the most important thing that we can talk about. See, the gospel is a gospel of mercy and grace. And when we fall short, as we inevitably will do in some areas in our life, it is a gospel of mercy. It is a gospel of grace. There is always forgiveness when we come to Jesus, when we come to the cross the one, the light of revelation to all people. He is the light. You just have to let him be the light of your life. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to the new year, um, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and just pray to you. Uh, We can worship you, that you give us a relationship with you. Uh, We haven't done anything. You've given it to us as a free gift Uh, Father, I just pray that um, as we come into the new year, you would guide us, you would give us wise discernment on decisions we need to make in these coming years, um, and that we would as a community come together and then reach the community of Port Perry to spread the gospel. Help us, Lord, to set that on our hearts to think about those who need to hear your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We worship a generous God who calls us to follow him in giving willfully, cheerfully, and sacrificially. New Song Church's mission and ministry is 100% funded by the generous gifts of those worshiping and journeying with us. If you'd like to offer a gift towards New Song's ministry, please visit newsongportperry.ca slash giving for more information on how to do that. May God bless you and keep you today and every day.